Side Hustle to Small Business is brought to you by Hiscox Insurance. Hiscox understands small business insurance isn't like other insurance. To learn more about how Hiscox Insurance can protect your business, go to Hiscox.com. Hiscox, encourage courage. In our minds, we had an idea of what we wanted our magazine to look like. And I'll be honest with you, our first few publications didn't really match the talent we kind of had in our heads. But eventually as time went on, our talent matched our reality and we were able to produce over time a magazine that was, in my opinion, full of quality and something that I was really proud of. Welcome to Side Hustle to Small Business. I'm Lou Casale. On this show, I talk with entrepreneurs who chased after a dream without any idea of how it would turn out. Let's face it, nothing great is achieved without risk. Do you have what it takes? For some people, starting a business wasn't part of the plan when they joined the workforce. But over time, they began to have a desire to create something and chart a new course. And then suddenly they're an entrepreneur on the launch pad and ready to start a business. Today, you'll meet Angela Young. Angela is the founder and editor-in-chief of ArtHive Magazine. I talk with Angela about how she and her partner launched their magazine and why it's so important that entrepreneurs trust their instincts. Angela, welcome to Side Hustle to Small Business. Thank you so much. Well, it's great to have you on the show, and I think a good place to start is right in the Sunshine State. You attended Florida Atlantic University, a great school, full disclosure. I went there too, so so a shout out to FAU. What were your career plans at that time? Well, first I have to say go Owls in response to FAU, and I was pursuing a path. I got a degree in psychology. I wanted to be entertained, so I thought that would be the most interesting bachelor's degree program to follow. However, on that path, I kind of had in mind to also have interest in education as well. So I knew getting my bachelor's degree in psychology could also lead me down a path to teaching, which is actually what I got into right after college. Coming out of college, did you have Any thoughts at all of being an entrepreneur someday and running your own business? No, I did not. It's funny. I always thought about two things when I was younger, when I was growing up. I wanted to be a teacher and I wanted to be an actress. And so in my mind, obviously teaching was more accessible, but I did pursue acting along the way. But in my mind, I guess I thought that, you know, to quote unquote, be successful or to make it, maybe acting was my only path. You know, I always had ambition to kind of, do lots of things. And I just really know how to get there. But the answer to your question is no, I did not see myself ever being an entrepreneur, not till later on in life. So you're working full time as a teacher. And then you and a friend decided to pursue a side hustle together. What was it? And how did that opportunity come about? Well, my business partner, Jessica and I were both kind of in the same place in life where we kind of felt a little bit lost. She was also a teacher I had just quit teaching and was trying to pursue acting here in Florida, but it just didn't feel right. You know, going into education, I think most people feel this sense of wanting to help. And, you know, unfortunately, you get into it and it's not really that much. You're much better off just probably volunteering or doing a charity work. But, you know, these teachers are very um, under 
underserved here. And, you know, Jessica and I just didn't feel that passion for what we thought we would. So for about a year, we started actually just speaking over the phone and kind of discussing with one another, what did we like? What did we have interest in? What did we want to do with our lives? And it was kind of in that year of just discussing this kind of back and forth, we realized we both had kind of this entrepreneurial spirit. She previously had done different businesses. She had done about two or three before doing the magazine. And I just thought, this sounds interesting. This sounds exciting, something I can put my mind and my energy to. And so after a year of crafting that idea, we formatted the idea of starting a publication. And Jessica has a background in animation, graphic design, and has previous experience in publishing. Though I had no experience in marketing and advertising and business, I just kind of knew it felt right. And we kind of just let that be our guide for the very first year. Today, you know, it it seems like the popular thing to do is to pursue a digital or online venture, but you set out to produce a magazine and you didn't have any publishing experience. What was the early feedback from friends and family on the new venture? Well, of course, friends and family were like, this is so cool, you know, though I don't know if that's a good measure. My mom and my dad telling me that my magazine's awesome. However, you know, In our minds, we had an idea of what we wanted our magazine to look like. And I'll be honest with you, our first few publications didn't really match the talent we kind of had in our heads. But eventually, as time went on, our talent matched our reality. And we were able to produce over time a magazine that was, in my opinion, full of quality and something that I was really proud of. But, you know, the first few issues, we kind of just tried. You know, we learned as much as we could along the way. I took to the library. I took to reading books about marketing, about business. And that was really my first experience in just figuring it out. There's actually no one-on-one book on how to make a magazine. So we didn't really have a guidebook on which to follow. We just kind of did as much as we knew. And that was kind of good enough for the first year, if that makes sense. It does. And, you know, you hear entrepreneurs talk about the need to to follow your gut and trust your instincts. And as I hear you tell your story, you know, I'm just curious, how did you know there was an audience out there who'd be willing to, to buy the magazine? That's a good question. You know what? I don't think I asked myself that question and whether that's right or wrong. We didn't really think about, is there an audience? We kind of just knew there would be an audience just from our perceived understanding of what was kind of going on in our area, specifically down here in in South Florida. And we kind of went around it thinking, you know, we will find the audience. Maybe we don't directly know where that audience is, but we kind of had an understanding of the cities and the counties to start the search. And in starting that search, we found out there actually was a need for our magazine. And we didn't really understand that as much in the beginning as we do now, how much value we can bring to our community through producing a magazine. So it's kind of like we started a little bit blind in the search, but we really were able to open our eyes and see there was so much available to us. You know, you mentioned early on that at some point you you left your full-time job to pursue this venture. At the time when you were doing both, when you were working full-time and you had a side hustle, sort of developing the idea of the magazine. I'm sure during those days you were putting in very long hours. What was that experience like? I mean, it was hard. It was hard doing both, but we didn't make that our excuse. You know, we always said to ourselves, we have to learn. Everyone has the same amount of 
24 hours in a day as everyone else. And so if we really want to make this happen, if we really want to turn our side hustle into an actual business, we have to be able to hustle and get stuff done. And we can't say, oh, we don't have time. We don't have knowledge. We don't know, have know-how. Figure that out. You know, Jessica, even though she had some experience in publishing, she needed to learn how to utilize Adobe and InDesign. And she took to a really amazing site called lynda.com. L-Y-N-D-A.com. I think actually LinkedIn might own it now, but it's a really valuable service that she utilized. I think she paid just like a small monthly fee and she was able to learn from professionals on how to better make a magazine. And, you know, that kind of fueled fire inside of us that like, hey, there's stuff available to learn. There's things that we can do to actually enhance our skills over time. And so we just kind of have to bite the bullet, work those long hours, and kind of trust our instincts. And even though maybe we don't see the results right this moment, we know that if we continue to work hard and evolve over time, we will see those results. You know, that's all we could follow in the very beginning was just our gut. I mean, logic, there's not much logic, in my opinion, that would make sense about what we're doing, but our instincts is what has guided us and is still guiding us to this day. For any publication, for a magazine to, to keep the lights on, you obviously have to generate interest from, from advertisers. And I don't think you or your partner had any experience in advertising sales. So how did you secure interest from advertisers early on? What was the pitch and, and, and what was the response? Well, we made a mock publication before we even had a first magazine. And that was kind of an example to just show someone our vision. And I'll actually, it's funny because we have advertisers that have been working with us since day one, and they actually go out of their way to tell us, we remember you walking through the door with so much confidence and so so much excitement. And you know, you had this little magazine and now look at you now. And I think they like to tell that story because they feel like they really helped us to get where we are now. And I agree with that. You know, our first magazine did not represent who we are now, but it was something that was proof of concept. And we had to go out and find advertisers that were within the niche that we are in, which is arts and culture. And we turned to cities that were using that as their branding to bring in more people And so that really helped us in the beginning is just sticking to our niche and kind of not worrying about every single person in the world needs to advertise in our magazine. It's just the people that are within the segments, community-based in like arts and culture, like I stated before. So that is how we first started our advertising ventures and how we found people. And along the way, we just were able to grow a reputation based off of, of having, you know, no one really knew us, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So they based trusting us off of our enthusiasm and our proof of concept, no matter how small it was, that they believed in us. And I think that can be infectious sometimes is your, you know, your enthusiasm for something. You can really convince people of something bigger, you know, that is to come. And it's not to say we want to mislead people because we see what happens when people do that and it goes too far, i.e. the fire Festival. You need to be able to, to show that you know there's something more. And I think we've proven that over time. And that's why they trust and believe in us now still. So you have the proof of concept issue. And then eventually you've got to get to issue number one the real issue number one. And that finally gets out the door. It may not be on newsstands everywhere, but it's finally out. 
I'm curious on a personal level, how did you feel? And on the business side of things, what was the initial response going back to that first issue, finally getting out the door? Well, the response was great. I mean, people enjoyed it and liked it, but I'll tell you what, we needed to improve over time. You know, it's not like we could put out one magazine and it consistently looked like that over time. Because we even look back at our magazine and we're like, oh my gosh, what were we doing? But it was still good enough to convince people that we were worth their time, if that makes sense, you know, and, and we ought constantly check ourselves all the time. We'll look back at magazines and say, you know, I didn't really like that spread or, you know, we probably should have used this color instead of that one. And we're okay with that. We're okay with saying, Hey, you know, I don't really like how that looks. Let's just change it for next time. It's maybe something that no one even is even noticing, but you know, we're, we like to constantly check ourselves look at our work, reassess, and try to get better over time because that's what it's all about. And so that first magazine, you know, it was great because it showed that we had an idea and over time we perfected that idea and we're still doing that to this day. We'll be right back after a quick break. Side Hustle to Small Business is brought to you by Hiscox Insurance. Hiscox, the business insurance experts, who tailor intelligent insurance solutions to fit each business's very specific needs. Get a quote or purchase a policy at hiscox.com. Hiscox, encourage courage. Welcome back. When we pick up with Angela, she talks about door-to-door promotion and the importance of building a personal connection with advertisers and the community. You know, you talk a little bit about promotion early on. You had to go out and build a brand from scratch So on the theme of promotions, how did you go about getting the word out about the magazine? Well, we thought that it would be really smart to, you know, make ourselves a part of the community as much as we could in the beginning, you know, and in the beginning, it was just really about, you know, we, I think what really worked well for us is we were willing to like go door to door to meet people. And I think we would spend sometimes like 30 minutes to an hour talking to the advertisers. And I think people just really enjoyed our story that we were just willing to take a chance to have, you know, integrity. And we didn't have to prove the integrity. We just did it by doing, you know, we would go out and have just authentic relationships with people. And it was wonderful, you know, and I think that really served us well, instead of turning to only emailing, only sending things out. We walked around and we met people. We shook people's hand. And I think when you have that one-on-one personal touch, you can really make you know something memorable for people. And I think that's really, really important. I just feel that if we did not do that, I don't think maybe we would have the same results we have today. And I think we always continue to strive to do that. If we have the time, we try to say, hey, let's go out and let's go talk to this person that we haven't seen in like six months. You know, let's go make another connection. Let's go on a business lunch and go talk to them. And it's really serviced us really well because people know that we're not just in it to like, you know, pull the wool over anyone's eyes because, you know, you have to be careful about that. We're taking someone's money for advertising in a magazine. They want to make sure that, you know, we're going to be around for the long haul. And those kind of one-on-one personal connections that we've made, we still continue to strive to do that to this day. You're a first-time entrepreneur. What have been a few of the more challenging moments you've faced and, and what have you learned from them? The most challenging is the patience aspect. You know, I think that there's times of growth 
and there's times of waiting, you know, and we all want the time of growth because we live in a a social media age where it's like, I want to show on social media that I'm doing well. And, you know, I sometimes see people like trying to find anything to showcase that they're doing well on that. And I understand that we all have to do that, but you know, there's times where you just have to wait. You just have to be patient. And during those times, it's really difficult. It's really difficult because you start to say, what am I doing? Am I on the right path? Am I doing this for something? This is what I would say to myself in the beginning. You know, I don't want to waste my time doing something that isn't going to lead me to something more, you know? And I would continually feel that way, but then I would continue to push myself so that I wouldn't just get stuck in, oh, woe is me. I would want to find an answer. Okay, I'm nervous right now. I'm scared. I better do something to challenge that. And so let me grow and do something new. And then all of a sudden, something wonderful would happen from that. So just that patience in the beginning is really difficult. And even sometimes the patience is difficult now, but I've learned so much that in that patience and waiting, you grow, you develop and you learn. And in my opinion, a mistake is worth learning from, you know, anything that you could see negative from a business is actually there to make you stronger. Because if it didn't happen to you, how do you know? How do you become wiser? You know, you have to go through those battles to understand how to develop later on. And you can't take on a larger company if you aren't willing to take on those small challenges in the beginning. And then when you get the rewards, they're that much better in the end. You know, on the theme of patience, some entrepreneurs quit their day job and they rush right into running their own business full-time. What's your view on timing when it comes to taking a side hustle full-time? My personal opinion is to keep a side job until you can determine that that small business is something that can actually bring you income. There's nothing worse than not being able to pay your bills and trying to put on the facade of a growing company. In my opinion, that's just ridiculous. I've interviewed so many celebrities and they have constantly told me that they have done other things to continue on the quest of, you know, of quote unquote making it. I don't know if you're familiar with the actress, Wendy McClendon Covey from, she's on that show, ABC, The Goldbergs right now. And when we interviewed her uh, a couple years back, I always remember something that made me feel so good is she said that what helped her, she had a part-time job. And her part-time job was she edited like a, a social work journal for several years. And she said it was nice because she like never felt desperate because she had something to pay her bills. So she kept this. So as she went on auditions and didn't get them, she wasn't you know horribly upset because she didn't get the audition. She had money coming in and she could choose the ones that mattered. And, you know, I agree with her. I think it's smart to have a job on the side that you can fall back on while pursuing a creative or an entrepreneurial endeavor. You need that. And unless you are just independently wealthy or you have someone that can pay for you, you need to make smart decisions for your future. You can't make decisions like, I have to make the sale because I need to keep the light on on my house. You know, that's just going to make you fall backwards. And you need to be able to have a clear mind when you make decisions, not decisions based off of desperation. You started your business with a partner. What about the idea of going into business with a partner? What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, on the best way to approach that type of opportunity? For us, it's been fantastic. We really help one another, but we also share the same vision. And I would say that if you're going to find a partner to work with, they need to share 
your vision on how to build a business and you can't force that upon someone. It's something that's natural. You can't convince a friend, hey, do you want to go into business with me? Because their opinion of business is probably completely different than your opinion on how to run a business. And that's based on time, money, investment, and everything. And for us, it's been wonderful because when one person starts to feel like, what am I doing? The other person can rally behind you know, the other person. And you also can build each other's strengths up, you know, Jessica's skill sets are different than my skill sets. So we actually really complement one another very well. And that has been a wonderful experience for each other and growing our business. And if somebody was to find a partner, and if let's say maybe you can't find a business partner, maybe that's not appropriate, find a mentor or somebody that can help you grow, that understands the challenges and somebody that you can look up to, to maybe help you, you know, It's never a bad thing to ask for advice from somebody that you admire because I think people like the thought that you're willing to learn and you're willing to grow. And I think that would be really, really helpful for people as they continue on their quest for growing a business from, you know, a side hustle to an actual company. On the theme of growth, all all businesses evolve over time. ArtHive Magazine has served as a, as a platform for additional ventures. Can you talk a little bit more about how your business has grown over the years? Sure. Well, we started out just as a publication, but we always knew in the beginning, and I don't know if we really had the answer, but we knew we always would have to diversify. Our vision wasn't just to start one a magazine and that was the end all be all. So as time went on, we eventually launched a podcast. We launched a podcast last year called Hello Creatives which you can find on any podcast platform. And Jessica and I host that, you know, and we're able to kind of discuss things that we can't maybe put into the magazine. And we just like to be honest on there and just talk about the struggles of creative entrepreneurs and different things that we've learned along the way. So that's been a wonderful platform because it also is something that's a complement to our magazine. We've also been very fortunate to work with really great partners and have really great partnerships. We've been working with Capital One. They've launched a slew of cafes in a lot of metropolitan areas. And we've been hosting networking events at their cafes in collaboration with them. And it's been really great to meet other like-minded people that share the same vision and passion as you. Maybe they're in different fields, but your common core is that you know you want to find out what are the strategies to making it and to being successful? And so those community events are really great to just meet other people. And, you know, we put a face behind the magazine, which is nice. And then also, in addition to that, we're launching 2020, we'll be launching an immersive art experience in the city of West Palm Beach that we're working on now. That's something that's going to, you know, about a year into production. But I think it's really important, especially for us to continue to evolve and adapt you know, we have to be, and it's, you know, it's just the way it is nowadays. You have to be more than just one thing, you know, it's, it's just not enough, but we also love that. We love to take calculated risks that is, and to challenge ourselves. And when we start to feel like a little bit too comfortable, like, okay, we kind of start to rev up our engines and go, what are we going to do now? What's something fresh? What's something that we can challenge ourselves And through that challenge, we are able to make something better than we had ever imagined. So we really strive on being a diversified platform. Though our magazine is in Florida, we are covering topics that are relatable to people on a national or international audience because of the celebrities that we interview and the kind of topics that we're putting in, you know, education and business and tech. 
So we really want to make something that's well-rounded between the magazine, the podcast, our community events, and eventually the event will launch next year. You know, you've obviously grown and evolved as an entrepreneur. Your business has has grown and evolved. Looking back, is there something you wish you would have known about being an entrepreneur before you actually became one? You know what? For me personally, in our business, I would have to say no. And the reason for that is I really feel like if I had gone to somebody and said, do you think making a magazine is a good idea? They would have written a list of 50 reasons why not to make a magazine. And I think that would have really hindered us in the beginning. And we kind of went into things a little bit naive. But over time, we learned what was the appropriate thing to do to actually make this into a substantial business. And personally, for us, it just, I think it would have hindered us. You know, we really needed to go into this for our situation with a sense of, we can do this, we can conquer the world. And though maybe our original ideas and thoughts have shifted over time, we were able to kind of go into it with a fresh mentality and just make it our own. And maybe not every business that's appropriate for, maybe for some businesses, you do need to, you know, have more insight. But for us, because we were willing to kind of work really hard for that, I think that would have probably not been a positive thing for someone to have told us not to make a magazine. It probably would have (laughs) been where we are now. We wouldn't be talking. Exactly. You know, this is a, a challenging question, but I have to ask it. You've published a number of stories in the magazine over the years. Do you have a favorite and why? You know... I don't know if I have an exact favorite. You know, we've been very fortunate. I'm very lucky to be able to do all the interviews with the celebrities myself and not just celebrities, influential people, you know. And for us, we always like to ask people things that we want to know, though I don't want to say that just because you're at the top, that's the only level of success. It's not. For me, success is being able to do what you love. So, I always like to find stories that like really resonate to me. And, you know, it's the common thread that a lot of people tell you. They all say it in different ways. But the stories I love most is when people tell me about how they they worked a lot. They diversified themselves. And I really think that that's so important. And it makes me feel better when I feel like, am I crazy for doing all these different things? And then when I hear someone else tell me that they did it, I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy. And so that kind of gives you that feeling of like, you know, you're on the right path. And I can't really pick one story, but I'm very, I feel like I'm very fortunate to interact with people of such a high caliber. And I really respect and admire them for where they are now. And so as we continue to put more celebrities in our magazine, we always make sure that they have, you know, a creative or conscious aspect to them that, you know, is positive and it's uplifting, you know, so that when the readers read it, they feel the, the way that we feel when we interview them, which is excited and motivated. Angela, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. When I asked Angela if she had a favorite story from among all those she's published, she didn't single out a specific story, but she did say there was a common thread. She's drawn to the story of successful people who have worked hard and diversified. From these stories, she finds the comfort in knowing that what she's experiencing as an entrepreneur is what others have gone through. These stories serve as a reminder that she's not alone and she's on the right path. As a small business owner, you're on that same path. You're hustling to keep up. You're wondering if you're going to make payroll this week. How are you going to replace that client you just lost? That new sales rep you just hired? Congrats. She's definitely going to take sales to the next level. 
by the way, that new competitor that just opened up down the street, they're good, real good. How am I supposed to know what kind of accounting software I should buy? What do you mean I missed the meeting? No one told me they rescheduled the appointment. And it just keeps going on and on. So take a deep breath and stay on the path. And remember, you're not crazy and you're not alone. You're an entrepreneur. That's our show for today. If you've enjoyed listening, please subscribe, rate us, and write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps new listeners find the show, and we greatly appreciate your support. If you know someone who has a great side hustle to small business story to share, drop us a line at hiscox.com slash side hustle to small business. Side hustle to small business is produced by Hiscox Insurance. I'm Lucas Al. It's time to stop listening and start hustling. This podcast is provided as general information only and is not intended to be business, insurance, or legal advice for any particular person or entity.